As I think about ERP projects and you look at the training materials, the training materials are all um, documentation of the system. Press this button, then this button, then this button. But I don't see the training materials ever talk about, okay, in this situation, this is what happens and this is the process, right? Well, so now you're you're picking on our training materials versus others because our training materials do have the process well, that, built into I'm not into talking about our, I'm just saying in general. When you go oh, into in a general, company absolutely. and you look at the training materials, yes. they are all just screenshots. Right. And if right. you're and if you're if your training materials are just a bunch of screenshots and what, what to click on, they're missing. They're missing a key component of the process. This is Peter Purcell. And Bill Imany. Today we're going to talk a little bit about change management. What is change management? What does it mean? We hear uh, about it all the time. And people always ask us, do we have change management in our company? Wow. Yes, I do manage my change. I take it out of my pocket and put it in a bucket and then take it to the store when my bucket is full and get dollars for it. Well, you know, lately I haven't used many, very many coins, so I haven't had much change. But uh, And, and I'll tell you, with the economy these days, sometimes I wonder where the change went, right? Yeah, absolutely. But more on, on a more serious note, change management is huge, especially when you start talking about systems and, and those types of things. In my mind, Bill, change management is pretty straightforward. It's really how do you get people to – do things differently, use tools differently, um, and not revert back to bad habits. Right, but change management happens everywhere, and we do it in everyday life, and we may or may not know it. But by the same token, I have clients and uh, companies, they tend to uh, put, do they tend to put too much effort into it sometimes? Well, I think so. I, or overthink we, it, maybe. I, I think overthinking may be a, a better term. I mean, I just think back to... You know, we work for the big four, you know, we seem to bash them an awful lot. But, you know, change management was a bunch of spider charts and, you know, pretty colors and stuff like that. The change management acceptance curve. Absolutely. I remember that. I actually really bought into that, too. That's the sad statement. But it never really resulted in any change. Well, the curve never really helped because people just look at it and and they're all on the anger piece of it anyway because they're sitting in a meeting talking about change management yeah instead of changing uh i you know i think for for me and and probably for trinity as a whole i'm assuming for you as well as change management truly is about eyeball to eyeball sitting down eyeball to eyeball to people and convincing them that even though in the short term their life may be a little tougher changing the way they do things will result in better longer term well, it reminds me when I hear whenever I hear the word change management, it reminds me of that old uh, joke about the change management consultant. Okay, so <laughs> on this, the ship, on the ship. So it, this happened way back in the 1800s. It was a one of these cargo ships, and the captain of the ship brought a change management consultant on and said, "Hey, um, we have a problem on board our ship. It it just smells really bad, and we need help." And so the consultant came on, and he went around and. And he finally, he said, you know, here's your big problem. You need to get your your uh, crew, they need to change their clothes more often. So the captain was like, great, thank you very much. Uh, the consultant left, and he said, okay, guys, lined up his crew. Jim, you 
you uh, change your underwear with Joe. Joe, you change yours with Jim. <laughs> and so they all change their clothes. But it still smelled bad. And I think that happens in a lot of companies, right? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, what, what's, your, what's your perspective on change management? I mean, re, in, in reality. Well, you know, after be, being um, you know, convinced that we had to have a bunch of charts and sharehold, uh, stakeholder assessments and all this <laughs> other stuff and putting people on a change curve somewhere yeah. where they ended up sliding back down the bottom of the change curve, to uh, to complete denial, um, I think it it seems to me it comes down to two things: communications and training, right? Yeah, and in fact, it's it's kind of interesting. I don't even think I've used the term change management once in the last uh, year of of clients because we always talk about uh, training and 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 uh, you know new processes and, and, and communications, and right? Communications, yeah. And so you know when you think about communications and you talk about change and change management it comes down to if if you're going to make a change you got to communicate with the right people and tell them what's happening mm-hmm. and 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 somehow change management became the science of uh, how are we going to communicate and what are the different methods and sometimes it's just a basic like you said a minute ago an eyeball to eyeball conversation with someone and a uh, quick discussion right 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 you know and and it, it also, I think, has to do with who does the communication as well. If it comes from the CEO that things are going to, quote, unquote, change, and you're going to do, you have to do things a little bit different going forward, it usually is, pretty, is better received than if it comes from somebody else. Right. And also the, the source has to be credible. And that's, if, right. you know, I, I love this. You know, we have a new acquisition coming on. I remember it was part of this merger, and they said, nothing's going to change. And as soon as someone says nothing's going to change, look, you better watch your back because something's going to change, and it probably means you're leaving the company. Yeah, I was going to say, I I think that that translates into get your resume ready and go start looking for a new job. Right, exactly. And and so it's it's having somebody credible, and 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 it's the honest uh, communication. Sometimes I find the best uh, when companies uh, either merge together or they put new systems in. When people are honest with their staff, saying, "Hey, you know what? It's going to be painful, but what we're going to try to do is minimize the pain as much as possible, and we're going to make this a fun and exciting time. So there's going to be some things that are going to be tough. We're going to fight through them. We know they're there, and work with people to say, "Let's tell us where where your fears and concerns are." And then put a plan together to make sure that you uh, are fighting against those, right? Right, right. And, and I think one of the keys there is honesty. I mean, because change is not easy for anybody, even for me. I mean, you know, and theoretically, we sell change. Uh, but being honest with these folks that, yes, uh, it is going to be tough in the short term, but there are some longer-term benefits out of it. And there's reasons why things have to be different going forward. Right. And then as I think the difficult piece, though, and at least in what we've seen, Peter, is that uh, when um, when when change becomes unsettling, it's usually the root the root cause of that is it's usually someone who is having a difficult time with that change. And I'll call that person a, a difficult person, you know, and we've run into those people. Yeah, and dealing with difficult people, if you don't win them over quickly, you just need to get rid of them, I think. Yeah, because you merge two companies together, and one of the guys, he may be really smart and bright and knows a lot of stuff, and he might be hoarding information and trying to make things difficult for other people, and we've, we've seen that. where someone, And they may not... 
be sitting there thinking, I'm going to be difficult today. They're just, they're just having a hard time with the change. And, and, and the output of that is them become, becoming difficult and difficult to work with. And I think companies are very hesitant to go up to that person and say, hey, you're being difficult. You either change or you're out. Right. Well, <clears throat> what they're hoping for is all the posters that they've put up in the break room and all the emails that they've sent out will help this individual change. Well, and, and it just goes back to the whole purely eyeball to eyeball. You've got to get out there and talk to the difficult people and then the people who are eager to make whatever change necessary. It's best for the company. Yeah. I, I remember one time uh, we uh, I was working with this uh, client and they were um, merging two companies together, and they, they, it was evident that they didn't need two IT departments. Well, the company, the odd man out, the guy who's running the IT department for the odd man out, I guess, the one who's going away, I remember them, um, the HR department let him go. They were kind of, he was walking out of the building. He's like, there's no way the systems are going to work without me, <laughs> and it's going down. Yeah. And, of course, I, you know, I thought, well, maybe he stuck a bug somewhere in the system to make it explode, but he left and nothing really went away. Um, his yeah. prognostication was wrong. And I think a lot of companies are afraid to address where maybe someone appears to have a lot of knowledge or um, insight into something around the company, be it IT or human resources or something that's happening operationally, that they're hesitant to let them go because someone says, and it's called this, this fear they instill, well, if you let me go, the IT systems are going to break, or that customer is going to go away. And then lo and behold, you go visit that customer, and the customer is going, who's that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's why that's why most merger integration activities don't ever seem to come to a complete, you know, finish uh, conclusion, line, right? right? They never seem to hit the finish line because they're always worried about letting this person or that person go. Um, but to your point, you know, we've, we've been in several times uh, going in and helping companies reorganize, rationalize uh, after a merger. And all of these people, literally 100% of the time, people who they thought, any of my clients thought, were irreplaceable or, you know, if they left, you know, the wheels would fall off. Never the case. Absolutely never the case. Well, and, and the other part of it, though, too, is um, when they don't follow through on the merger, then they lose credibility, not only internally, but with the stockholders. Oh, to the market, yeah. Right. Then, then it becomes, then it becomes a, a really big deal. I mean, the, the other place where, where I see change management, you know, not happening, and then it creates a real problem, and, and this starts to bleed into training a little bit, is around systems implementations. I'm not really sure why, but, you know, the minute the budget gets a little tight, you start cutting out. Going training. Out, training, right. And, frankly, going out and talking to people about, hey, new systems coming. No, it's not going to be Nirvana. You know, who likes their ERP? Come on, let's get real here. But, um, you know, getting people ready for the new world uh, all that is cut out that, you know, and, and instead of going out and talking to these people eyeball to eyeball, you know, you're, you're, you're sending out pamphlets and emails. Nobody or, reads pamphlets and emails. Right, right. They're, you know, what we'll do is we'll put a PowerPoint together and send it out to everybody, and that'll be their training. But here's the interesting thing, though, on the flip side of that. We say they cut the training out of the budget. But what's interesting to me in this day and age, I see people on their phones and using all different applications all the way from their uh, um, for trading or for playing a game or whatever it might be, or their mail, 
and they figured out how to use it, and they didn't get any training. So what's up with that? Well, it's I, you know, it's easy. I mean, because you, you're, you're talking about just one leg in a stool, and I know we overuse that analogy, but it's the like other leg. Like a true consultant, one leg in a stool. There you go, one so legged stool. if you pull one out, it falls it, over, it right? It falls over. Okay. Because here's the really issue. Good balance. It, we're, we're talking about process and controls there, too. So it's one thing to be able to use the application. It's something else completely in, in different to do it under the context of here's a process and I have to understand that what I'm doing right now, how does it affect upstream and frankly downstream activities you know, in the system? And so without that training, without understanding what the process really is and where you fit within the process, yeah, you might technically do things correctly, but that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's accurate nor with the right controls. Yeah, but I still hear people saying, I didn't get enough training. It seems like that's just a lousy excuse. I do think that is a lousy excuse. I, I they think sit there. They got their phone sitting there. They're able to figure out some complex um, application on their phone. But they, can't, they said, I didn't get enough training how to use my um, SAP system and put a journal entry in or put invoices in. Is, is it more about their lack of interest, really? It it could be, Bill. I mean, I think, though, when it comes to training, and, and I've got to give a little bit of defense like to people at the wellhead and the like, if you have a field ticketing system, the, the technology of using the field ticketing system is probably pretty straightforward. But knowing what to do with price list and how to give discounts and when do you give discounts and what's in the contract, being able to know that and know where to go within the system to try to find that kind of information out, sometimes that's not super straightforward. Yeah, but, okay, but, okay, you got a good point there. You got me there because you're right. You've you got to know where to look and where to get things and, and, right. and uh, get the right information. That makes sense. But. Well, and you also need to know what your responsibility is. You know, you need to know what your authority is to give discounts. Right, because the last thing you want to do is to give your pusher or operator a chance to give a 30% discount on a service, all right, where then the company man signs the field ticket, and then the manager in the approval cycle says, whoa, you didn't have the authority to do that. It's a little late, right? So well, I would hope the system pres- would stop you from doing that, though, right? Uh, or are you saying they're going around the system? I think it's just going around. And then they're around. putting in their... In, it, okay. Exactly, and that's, that's why training around systems can be so important. It, it's less about how the functionality within the system works. It's less about the poking and pushing the buttons. It's more understanding what you really are responsible for and and See, what I, you have authority. I think for. you're right, and I think. But isn't the bigger problem though, uh, when it comes to training, is they're training people how to use? Because I think about ERP projects, and you look at the training materials. The training materials are all. Um, documentation of the system press this button then this button then this button but i don't see the training materials ever talk about okay in this situation this is what happens and this is the process right well so now you're you're picking on our training materials versus others because our training materials do have the process well, that, built i'm not into talking about our, i'm just saying in general when you go oh, into in a general, company absolutely. and you look at the training materials yes. they are all just screenshots right. and if right. you're and if your if your training materials are just a bunch of screenshots and what what to click on, they're missing. They're missing a key component of the process. Yeah, exactly. And talking about why you do things, who's doing the, what next, right. and 
frankly, you know what, though? It's kind of hard to document that stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. But you know what? With the new tools that you have today, which I know this isn't an ad, but with the new tools that you have today, it's a little bit easier you know, once you get the process documented and interleaving it into system functionality. But isn't it also, though, comes down to your earlier comment around eyeball to eyeball. And yeah, going out. absolutely. And, and I, I remember this one uh, project we were working on. We were helping a um, electrical supply company in, implement a new reporting tool. Mm-hmm. And we got it all put in and everything. It was time to go and, and train people in the field. And so we sent guys out eyeball to eyeball. And I remember this one um, instance where we're sitting with the um, CFO and CIO in the room, and they said, this is great, um, love it. I bet you there's, there's no way you're going to be able to train old Sam in the field office in San Antonio. And I said, well, actually, he's using the system. And they said, whoa, there's no way. That guy, he's resistant to change, period. And I said, well, we sent one of our guys out there. They sat in his office on his own computer, and, and what we did is we created this little three-step process. This is how you run a report. Step one, two, three. Showed him how to do it. He did it. And then all of a sudden, he's creating his own reports because we gave him the three-step process and how to do it. And included turning on your computer, right. <laughs> opening up the app, and clicking on a report. And, and voila. And they were shocked to hear that, but we, we, didn't, we didn't send them to a classroom, though. Right, exactly. And I mean, another example that we have is right now we're working with a uh, field services company with their field ticketing. And what we're doing is even early in the process of redesigning redesigning how they're going to use the field ticketing system, we're taking the process diagrams, we're going out to the field, and we're wargaming with all the different types of transactions that are going to run through the system in the field ahead of time so that we know what's going on and people in the field have input, which by the way, you know, they feel great about. Um, and then that way we can build the new processes and modify the system around that. Then when we go back out and train, we can say, yep, we tested these, you know, 80 different uh, scenarios, uh, all these, these different special cases, and this is how you do it. And when, when you get people eyeball to eyeball actually working through all those different scenarios and you stick around, training's not an hour and a half. Training is, you know, a couple of days or more. Um, all of a sudden, they, figure, they, they understand it. I think you hit on something, though, right there, and that's key is the, you, you use the word wargaming, but really testing all the exceptions. Because I think that's the other problem with um, change management, too, is people always go to the exception and they say, well, I can't do this because if um, if it's customer that starts with a C and they're based in Texas and they um, their logo's red and this, then we've got to do this special process or whatever it might be. And people always, always uh, I say, they're resistant to change because of the exceptions. And what you just described is testing all the exceptions to show how those work too, right? Is that what oh, you're yeah. getting Absol- at? I mean, I'm, Absolutely. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, no. but that sounds like what you're getting at because that, that to me, it's all the exceptions. We, we, we would put in a, a, a revenue system for an exploration and production company, and they would go, well, for properties in the Permian Basin or for properties in this state, we've got to do X, Y, Z. And every and so, so when you said let's 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 talk about your exceptions, everything was an exception, nothing was the norm, but they were all focused on the exceptions, not the norm. Right. And so, if you build a system around the exceptions, you're never going to finish the system. But if you if you test those as part of the process, 
as a whole, then you then are able to make that change stick, right? Yeah, that's right. Because it's the exceptions that these guys are going to throw out as excuses for not doing things the new way. Yeah. So earlier when I was talking about the people using their app and figuring out how to use it, I, I was really getting at the what's in it for me. I mean, I, I look at whenever any app that you use on your phone, you use it because it's going to help you. Maybe you're using Duolingo to help learn another language, or maybe you're reading, uh, playing the word game, words with friends, and or you're doing a Facebook to see what to see how many likes you can get and all that kind of stuff. It's all fun stuff. It's all what's in it for you, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm playing, you know, rehash centipede and and stuff like that. It tells you <laughs> where my well, technology is from. But I, I'm joking. But but yeah, it no, is. You're not. It's all. Yeah, I saw I that on your phone. <laughs> you're playing Candy Crush. Yeah, there you go. Candy. Yeah, or or Tetris for gosh sakes. But in in all seriousness, you're right. I mean, it, it's all about what's in it for me. And and so you got to put you got to put everything in terms of what's in it for them too, because um, you, you were talking about a field. Um, uh, ticketing system and everything. We had a uh, client. They were in the trucking business, and and and, and essentially, uh, the people did not like using the system. So we'd go talk to these guys. Go, why don't you like using it? And we're about to put a new system in. And we're thinking we got to make this new system better. Hmm. Um, it's it's going to be field dispatch and all this other stuff. And we essentially found out where some of their other pain points were, and we said, hey, that could be solved with the new system. So what we essentially did is we said, hey. Here's something that can be done for you and give you a better report or better information or whatever it might be or fix a process problem that they have. And in turn, they'll start using the system. So there's something what's in it for them, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, I do have a question for you, though. When you go out into the field. It's gets scary when you start asking me questions. You never know what's going <laughs> to come out next. Yeah, really. But, you know, when you go out into the field, think about this for a second, right? You come driving up. You're, you're I'm from Houston. I'm outstanding in the field. In you're, field. There you go. Um, but you're, you're coming in from headquarters, right? You're coming in from Houston and, and the like. Um, and, uh, you know, these guys are going to be a little suspicious of you showing up. Um, I know, I know what I do when I get out there I drive a white pickup truck. I back into my parking space. You know, I try to wear, you know, beat up boots just like everybody you get else. You got your chewing tobacco in uh, the back well, I don't go, I don't go that far, but what, what are some of the techniques? I mean, that, that, that you use to, to get these guys comfortable. So they'll actually pay attention to you and spend time with you. First thing I do is I bring them donuts. Yeah, All yeah, right. I done, I've then, done that. And then I take them to the local Mexican restaurant, and I'll buy lunch. Oh, gosh. I, I, now, I might regret that going home, but <laughs> on the ride home, but we'll, we'll do that. And I think part of it is, though, when you – and I think this is a mistake a lot of corporate executives make when they go out to the field. They don't understand the business well enough to carry a conversation about what's happening. And the companies that are successful with change management, their executives understand. So when they're out in the field, um, you know, they, they know what the equipment is that's sitting out in the field. So mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, I was sitting in one meeting, and um, the guy, one of the guys joked about their, uh, this guy in the, in the uh, middle of central Texas, joking about their chief accounting officer coming out. And he didn't know um, what, what, what a frack fleet, what a frack truck look like and mm-hmm. he didn't know the difference between that and a saltwater hauling truck and they were making fun of him he wasn't there and they're saying oh what a dumb guy and he had no credibility with them now on another hand i have some clients whose executives 
can go out there and tell them, you know, how to how to uh, tune the engine on their trucks and and, they, and get into their and know exactly what a part every single piece and part is of their their fleet is. And those people get some, have some credibility. And and so part of it is understanding their business and understanding what what's what, right? So when I'm talking to someone about a BOP seal we're talking the same language, right? Right, exactly. And that's that's kind of what I was getting at is, you know, the change management in my mind isn't all about, you know, just to reel back a little here, you know, uh, spider charts and pretty pictures. It is about getting out there and, and getting with the people and understanding where they are, where their pain points are, and fixing it, you know, and going from there. And you're talking about communications, right? Yeah. All of this is communications. This is how you communicate, what you communicate, right? Exactly. And, and, and you know, we, not, we did not talk about, you know, formatting emails and sending out videos. We're talking about eyeball-to-eyeball communications that people, you know, even though we have cell phones and video conferencing and all that technology today, people still want to be heard. People still want to see you in person, and that's the best right. way to communicate. Right. You know, and in and, and having this conversation, I remember working with, excuse me, a very large client <coughs> who had uh, thousands of employees, and their question was, well, we can't go out and meet face-to-face with every single employee. No, you don't have to because the employee network works fantastic. You go out to a handful of sites. You get a CEO to go out to a handful of sites and get into an argument with their crew, you know, a crew pusher about, you know, which tong to use and be right. I guarantee you that will go through the company like a house of fire. And if that CEO then does send out an email to a thousand employees, there's instant credibility there. Or finding the guy in the company who's the outspoken district manager and getting on his good side and because he's gonna he's gonna sit in a meeting when they the district manager together and complain about something but if you got him on your side and with the new system or the acquisition he's gonna step up and say you know this is a good thing and I've seen them do it yeah yeah absolutely so these techniques you know when when we mention or I mention eyeball to eyeball I get a lot of people that kind of look at me and give me that sideways glance like, there's no way. Well, they don't want to spend the money. I, it comes down to two things. They don't want to spend the money for training right? to send people out. Or they're just too lazy to get, you know, sometimes it means flying to a location and driving for three hours. And that drive is through, sometimes through the something that looks like the desert. You know, think about some of the remote. How about that last time you had to go to <laughs> to, to Pampa, Texas? I don't. Yeah. There was nothing between me and the wind, but the wind. <laughs> right, but but you yeah. know what? They I think people appreciate it when you go out and right. talk to them and 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 take the time to explain things to them in person. Yeah, absolutely. On their side. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And and then you know, guess what? Even if you don't make a change based on their recommendations or anything that they've told you, at least they feel like they've been heard. They know they've been heard, and um, they they'll actually respect the the decision no matter what. Much better than well, you just hit on something. Communications is listening, right? Yes. It's, and people might think, well, I'm communicating. I told you what we're doing, so why aren't you doing it? Did you ever just stop and listen, right? Yeah. Ask questions. Start by asking questions. I always start by asking questions when I go out to the field. Yeah, and and then you listen, and they get to be heard. They feel like their grievances have been heard. Whether you've done anything about it or not, they feel like they've been heard, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I, I remember doing some work for Saltwater Hauling Company, and they had a tremendous amount of trouble around some of their drivers, you know, to your point of using dispatch system, right? And I remember going out to a site, the site that they claimed nobody could change out there, you know, and they were about ready to sell this site. They were so frustrated with these guys. And we went out there, we just asked a bunch of questions at first. I mean, when I walked out there, I just asked questions about their fleet, I asked questions about their maintenance schedule. I just started asking them questions. And then through the questioning, led them through almost a discussion. Okay, so what are your concerns around the dispatch? So why are you having trouble getting trucks out? Why are the drivers having trouble using? I mean, it just became part of a much bigger conversation. And through that, we were able to pinpoint some pretty, you know, substantive issues that they had but they were easy to fix and those guys in the end were some of the best at using that dispatch system yeah that's a good point and i I think if we think about communications it's a two-way street right it's the the listening letting them talk good point and asking questions and and so you know we we just uh kind of recap here we've talked about change management in terms of communications and training um, frankly, is there anything else? I mean, I don't, have we oversimplified this? Uh, I don't think so, Bill. I mean, we do it all the time, and, and I think— Oversimplify uh, things? or No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think so either. But, yeah. but in all seriousness, it really comes down to communications and training. And if you have a good communication strategy for whether it's an acquisition or a new system and a good training strategy, and you have all the right elements there, then that you've got change management. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of change management, uh, this this uh, has been sponsored by Evan, your IT guy. On-demand IT support at much lower prices than, than you would expect. So we wanted to thank Evan, your IT guy, for sponsoring this podcast. Yes, and thank you, and we'll talk next time. 